Welcome back to the Crown Refs Podcast for episode 281. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day to become a better official and to help serve the game of basketball. This episode features Jarrell Christian, who's a former G League coach and the current general manager of the Boston Celtics G League affiliate, the Maine Celtics. Before being hired by Brad Stevens to take over as GM, he spent one season as head coach, where they broke the franchise record for most NBA call-ups in a season. Jarrell has also spent two seasons as the Washington Wizards assistant coach, as well as stints with the Capital City Go-Go and Oklahoma City Blue. We think you're going to find this podcast super helpful, both for coaches and officials, as we covered a lot of great topics Once again, the Crown Refs podcast is brought to you by RefereeStore.com. If you're in the market for any referee gear this upcoming season, whether it's pants, a jersey, um, any accessories, whistles, RefereeStore.com has it all. They are the official warehouse uh, sponsor of the Crown Refs podcast. So if you have any uniform needs, we would ask that you would go to RefereeStore.com. You can even save 15% on all United attire products. Simply enter crown 15 at checkout and do me one last favor before you go have a great rest of your day thank you for listening to the crown refs podcast the audio experience for basketball officials serve the game and i would say the ones because you're 100 correct the officials that are like Coach, there's a lot going on. I have to process what's happening. I can't talk to you doing live play. Perfect. You move on and, you know, but like having that type of dialogue with officials, I think is really important. Talked about a Friday night. You know, I thought our effort wasn't where it needed to be. Our attention to detail wasn't where it needed to be. You know, I challenge those guys with an effort standpoint. Just taking pride. You know, we always talk about we want to be a good team. That's what it takes all five guys on the board and even the guys on the bench to be 15 mates in to do that. Coach, just want to say thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? Doing well. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. I know, like you said, time is valuable, so I appreciate yours. Absolutely, and just wanted to congratulate you. I know you have a newborn a few months ago, so congrats on the new member of your family. Thank you. Our baby girl is growing. She's getting bigger every day. She's about uh, three weeks old now, so we're blessed. I just love starting off new relationships, uh, and it's something I've posted about and something I'm trying to really instill in the group. It's like just asking. The importance of asking about somebody's family can just go a long way and really be um, that foundation piece to maybe starting a very you know long-lasting uh, relationship or just making a lasting impression on somebody. So family first absolutely no i agree you know I'm a, I'm a huge fan obviously i follow you all on, on instagram and you know usually like all your posts i mean there's a lot of good content that you post and a lot of good advice for um, young professionals no matter what the field is so so thank you oh i i appreciate it i had no idea that you even saw anything so i, <laughs> I see it all i see okay. it all. awesome you finding the content helpful from a coach's perspective very. I mean, that's one reason, you know, I like to look at it just because I can kind of get, um, you know, a feel for kind of what you guys are teaching and your terminology and, you know, just their approach to the game. You know, obviously they're all um, learning the game and, and trying to figure it out just like us coaches are. So it just gives me a little inside view 
as to all the prep that goes in and the time that goes in that we don't necessarily see on the coaching side. Yeah, it's nice to be able to expose, you know, I started uh, Crown Refs as a way to give back to the game and connect and train officials, but it's nice to where it's gone now. Maybe TikTok has helped out, but being exposed to players, coaches, and fans. And I, I've always been trying to bridge the gap, you know, bridge, bridge that education and communication gap. So I think the more participants of the game that can, you know, update themselves on officiating, uh, the better they'll be for whatever their role is. So just wanted to get a little bit of bio on you. Um, if you could just share with the group your basketball story, just talk about, you know, for a few minutes, um, your journey as a player up the ranks through uh, as a coach and then where you are now with the main Celtics as the GM. Yeah, so um, obviously played high school basketball in Virginia, um, a place called New Kent, Virginia. Back then it was probably, you know, 12 to 15,000 population, so really small. Um, ended up playing Division three basketball at Emory and Henry College. Did that for four years. Um, I was never like the leading scorer or the star player, but I was just a guy that, you know, started most of the games all four years just because I was a good teammate. You know, I had a good feel for the game, had a good IQ, selfless. Um, so I was just that kind of guy, you know, that type of team captain. Um, so I did that for four years. And then right after I graduated from Emory and Henry, uh, I went right into coaching. You know, I got my coaching, um, first coaching job at Tusculum College in Greenville, Tennessee, um, a Division II school. And at that point, it was a full-time volunteer position. So I did that for an entire season without getting paid. Obviously, I got a really good family. My parents were able to, to take care of me financially for that year um, as an investment in my future. And then I went from there, from that Division II school, back to my alma mater, Division III, as an assistant coach for two seasons, to Randolph-Macon for two seasons, which is another Division III powerhouse, and just won the national championship for Division III. So shout out to Randolph-Macon. Um, then I went from there and went to Oklahoma City Thunders organization as a G League assistant um, in their organization for four seasons. Uh, Got great exposure, you know, got a, got a chance to be an interim head coach for about 20 games um, in my second year in Oklahoma City. Can I just stop you right there? Sorry, selfishly. Um, I'm boys with David Akinoye. Are you friends with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, DA and I were together, um, I guess, for three years in OKC. Um, he's He's one of a kind, I'll tell you that. Awesome. Got to work with him, you know, closely for three seasons. So he was terrific. Um, and then from there, got an opportunity to be a head coach um, in the Washington Wizards organization with their G League team. Did that for a season and got promoted to being an assistant coach with the Washington Wizards for two seasons and just finished up my first year with the Boston Celtics organization as their G League head coach and have gotten promoted to the G League GM um, just a couple weeks ago. Congratulations on that. So you were only the coach for one year until you got your promotion to GM. Talk Correct. to me about that decision to uh, kind of switch roles within the game. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, there was a lot of things that kind of went into that decision. Um, you know, so Brad Stevens, and I have a really good relationship. We've known each other for a couple of years. 
Um, so it goes back to, you know, we had a conversation about three years ago when I was with the Wizards. Um, I just finished up my first year of being a head coach, you know, and he talked to me about that experience and he really wanted to understand, you know, what I learned um, and how I grew in that first year of exposure of being a head coach. And so, you know, when he offered me this, this opportunity, you know, he said, you can go back to Maine and be the head coach, um, or you can go and, and, you know, be the Maine Celtics GM, you know, it's your call. And so for him to kind of, you know, see something in me that led him to believe that I would be able to do the job at a high level and be successful, you know, gave me the confidence I needed to, you know, take a, take a leap of faith. You know, and one thing it does is, you know, it puts me in Boston full time. So I'm you know, working out of the same offices as the front office there and the obviously the Celtics and being able to build those relationships to me meant so much. You know, me being able to build a relationship with Ime Udoka and his staff, me being able to build a relationship with Brad Stevens and the rest of his staff um, was something that I really valued. Um, when you're the head coach of the main Celtics it's in Portland, Maine, which is an hour and a half north of Boston. So you're living in Portland, Maine for, you know, the G League season, which is about five months. And then when you're not there in season, you're in Boston. So it's just being able to split time. I didn't feel like I was able to make the most out of relationship with the people here in Boston. So obviously led me to, you know, take this opportunity. Great story. Thank you for sharing that. We wish you uh best of luck. I want to switch gears to some officiating questions because us as officials, I was telling you before, we, we just kind of love hearing uh, the perspective of a coach and many different perspectives of coaches. So let's uh, ask you a few officiating questions. I wanted to know some of the things that you liked most about officials. Um, what are some traits that officials have that just tell you, okay, this, this ref is seasoned. And then conversely, what are some traits about an official that you might like least? What parts of the game do you see and, and recognize where you make those um, kind of judgments about an official? Yeah. So I will say this to like start this off. When I was a player, I was a hothead. You know, I usually led our team in technical fouls um, as a coach. Coach, I got to go. <laughs> uh, as, a, as a coach you know I had my fair share of technical fouls also um, you know but I think the things that always I kind of go to about the officials is the ones that are, are humble um, the ones that you can have a conversation with um, and the ones that are able to you know hold themselves accountable you know if they miss a call like own it you know like everybody's not perfect I don't make the best and the most perfect play calls. Like you're going to miss a call throughout the game, but the ones that, um, you know, don't want to take ownership for some calls or, you know, the ones that I really get disgruntled with is when there's a lot of frustration that goes on into the game um, and the officials that don't seem to have a good grasp of how they play into that frustration. <laughs> um, if that makes any sense. You know, and I would always say to the officials, like, we didn't come into this game frustrated and pissed off. Like, there's something that's going on throughout the course of this game that has led coaches and players to this sense of frustration. Like, you have a, you know, you can own some of this frustration that both teams are, you know, are experiencing. And um, the ones that I usually had the most trouble with were the ones that I could not communicate with the ones that seem to be arrogant, um, the ones that seem to have all the answers and just didn't want to listen 
those are the ones where, you know, I always felt like it was more of like a partnership with myself and the officiating crew. Um, and so when I didn't feel like I had that respect where I could speak freely um, and, you know, bring up some concerns that were going on throughout the game or they just weren't listening, those are the ones that, you know, really were the ones that I, that I struggled with. Could you define speak freely? Yeah. So, you know, I think one thing that what you're doing right now with um, this platform, you know, I've talked to the officiating crew at, at the G League level of um, the thing that I think needs to improve is just that player coach official relationship. You know, if I think I heard you say it in one of your most recent ones was like the only time this official is actually hearing me speak, hearing my tone, hearing my dialect is in the course of the game. You know, I think that is a, I think there's a problem in that, you know, like um, I'll go, I'll use this as an example. So I have a bunch of officiating friends. Um, and so it was the day of a game. One of them posted on their Instagram story, like it was so-and-so's birthday. Like, oh, okay. We have this person on our game tonight. And so it dawned on me, like first time out, something happened. Someone gets mauled. I call a timeout. I'm talking to this official, like maybe aggressively, but you know, it is what it is. And it dawned on me at that moment. I was like, wait, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. How are you doing? And like, just that like triggered something in that official that was like, oh, this is a human being. This is an actual person, you know, but like the only time that, you know, the, the coaches and officials actually have any type of dialogue is during the course of the game. I think it automatically, you know, sends some type of red flags or frustration um, when when things get a little bit heated. So having the, you know, being able to speak freely without having to sugarcoat things, you know, I might I might curse, I might use profanity, but I'm not like using it aggressively or towards you. It's just maybe that's just how I speak, you know. And the ones that you, you find uh, that you like least are the ones that are just closed off. I, I find that to be the trend when I ask coaches what are some of the most um, important traits. And, and they just want to hear kind of accountability as their main one and the ability to communicate their thoughts and concerns to an official. You know, the only the, the line comes in making sure that that communication is done in a respectful way and also done at the right time of the game. A lot of times when coaches are communicating these thoughts, they're doing it at inappropriate moments when the official can't respond back, whether it's a live ball or just not kind of not the right time. So, you know, I would just say for you as a coach, if I can give you any value, just finding those right moments in the game to know when we're available, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I would say the ones, because you know, you're 100 percent correct, the officials that are like, coach, there's a lot going on. I have to process what's happening. I can't talk to you doing live play. Perfect. We move on. And, you know, I, but like having that type of dialogue with officials, I think is really important. I just want to share an email that I got from today, because one of one of my missions is, is, you know, to improve the respect factor and the sportsmanship factor. Um, I got an email today from a youth coach, and this is an email that he sends out to all of his parents and anybody in his um, program and community. And it was a tremendous email that it was so basic and pure in the sense of there's four roles in the game. There's a coach who's supposed to motivate, encourage in a positive way his players. There's a referee who has to maintain uh, safety and fairness of the game. 
There's a player who has to give 100% effort um, and have a great attitude and focus on playing the game. And then there's the spectators whose job is to encourage their team in a positive-like manner. And I think a lot of times some of the participants are forgetting their roles of the game. And in the most simplest form, when you can just focus back on your role in the game, you're going to perform better. Like there's no way a player can be a player and a ref and be good at both. You got to pick one. Just, you know, so I thought it was interesting. And I'm going to put out a lot more content on this because I think there's it could be very helpful for our group and, and both for coaches as well. And I get a lot of I get a lot of coaching questions on when's the best time to talk to an official and and how to and it just to me it's it comes just down to respect you know and um, having a professional etiquette. Right. I mean, now I'll go to like another quick story. You know, um, in the G League, I think it's so it's such a unique experience because you've got so many players that are going up and down, so many players that are in and out, call ups, two way players. Um, you know, just so many different things play factors into the G League. Um, so having those officials understand all of that, I think, is important. So there was a situation where we were playing in the showcase in, in Las Vegas, and basically four of our eight players got called up. And so we had to, like, replace them with guys that we just found basically, like, on the street. And so I knew that going into that game, I was going to have to be more of a motivator opposed to like a coach just because I hadn't met half of my team. So like I knew going into that game, I was going to be more vocal. I was going to be more of a motivator, more of a cheerleader. Um, and so it was probably not even the first time out. I had one of the uh, officials say, hey, coach, you're doing too much. Go sit down. It's just like, <laughs> like I'm not even talking to the officials. I'm like cheering my team on, trying to get them motivated because I knew that was going to be the only way that we had a chance of, you know, staying in that game just because these guys had never played together. It's so like the officials that kind of understand what the coaches are going through, what the teams are going through in that period and in that game, I think is also really important. And that comes down to the, the superpower we call empathy and being able to, to, to be empathetic to other people and see it from their view viewpoint. And it's always going to be helpful with your interactions and communication with that person. Uh, great thread. Appreciate you contributing to that. I want to know what are some notable skill differences that you see? Cause I know you've worked in the NCAA G league and you've obviously on the NBA bench. So from NCAA officials to G league to NBA, any notable differences that you see? Um, I would say confidence, you know, blowing a confident whistle, um, you know, sticking to your calls, you know, and um, the other one that like, comes to my mind is just the ones that have a feel for the game. You know, obviously, you know, you've got the rules, you got to follow, but like having a feel for the game, have, understanding the time score and the situation of the game are the ones where I feel like at the NBA level, they usually get, you know, 95% of the time correct. You know, um, the ones in the G League, obviously they, they're still struggling a little bit at times with the feel of the game and time and situation, um, but it's just understanding you know, where you are in the game, what's happening. You know, sometimes a team may not be trying to foul. They're just, you know, being aggressive. Like you should know those things um, if you're, if you're officiating those type of situations. So. <clears throat> Any, anything else you could add? And those are all great points to just that feel for the game. Cause it's sort of an invisible thing that we don't have on paper. 
Um, anything else you could think of with just what shows you an official has that feel for the game? Um, yeah, you know, you know, in the G League this year, there there was a rule um, like a transition take foul, you know, or even if there's a um, a situation where there's a steal and it's leading into a fast break and the coach is yelling or the player is yelling, like letting that play develop, letting that play finish, and then stopping and calling a technical foul. Opposed to, you know, stopping the fast break and calling a technical foul, and now you're punishing the team that, you know, is, you know, on the fast break. So, like, just having a feel for those types of situations, you know, I think is is valuable. That's a great play type that you brought up. Exactly. You know, one example of, of feel for the game. That's a play type we've spoken about. I've shared before. And uh, you're right. And, it, you know, from an officiating perspective, it, it takes patience on our part. Because let's say you're getting cursed at, your natural re- reaction or response would be to penalize. But right. then that feel for the game and the self-awareness to know, hold on, let me take a deep breath. Let me see where the ball is. Oh, this team's about to score. I'm not going to kill the play right here. And now we have multiple issues. Right. You know? So, yeah, great job. Great feel for the game there from you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So here's what I'm interested in. I want to know what some of the conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, here's what I'm interested in. I want to know some of the conversations and messages that you have to your players about the officiating, whether that's in practice, whether that's in meetings, whether that's in games. What What is some of the messages that you're putting out about officiating? What are you telling your players? Yeah, I mean, the biggest message that I always have with our players is, you know, leave the officials alone. You got an issue, if you got a complaint, bring it to me. I'll, you know, relay it to the officials. Um, just because, you know, to your emailers, you know, point, when you're a player, you've got to be locked into a game plan. There's so many things going on that, like, you don't worry about the officials. Like, I'll worry about them. I'll, you know, bring up anything that, you know, I see is unfair or whatever it may be. But I've always taught our guys leave them alone, don't say anything, move on to the next play. I'll do the screaming. I'll get the text. Like, you focus on playing your game and performing at a high level. Um, Absolutely. Now, I think that's very G League appropriate because, um, you know, how many head cases, so to speak, do you know in the G League that are going to get that call up, right? right? So talk to me about the difference when you age up in the NBA is that still a similar sentiment that's being echoed? Because from our perspective, we're not really seeing it when we watch TV and all of the uh, <laughs> complaining and arguing. So, Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, with you know, the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka, Scotty Brooks when I was in D.C. I mean, they're saying the same thing to their players. Whether their players actually listen is, is something different, um, you know, and – yeah, it's it's one of those things where superstars in the NBA, you know, usually get away with a little bit more than, you know, guys coming off the bench or role players. That's just kind of how it is. Nobody really wants to speak on it as much, but it's one of those things that's that's that we're aware of. Um, and so we always talk about guys like who are, you know, playing eight minutes a game, complaining like they're all stars, like you're just not going to get the same calls you're not going to be refereed the same way and you just have to understand that you know and it's the same thing you know to your point earlier with it being in the g league like if you get an opportunity at nba you're definitely not getting any calls so you might as well get used to playing through contact 
you know, and playing through some physicality without complaining. Do you think um, the you think there's just too much complaining in the NBA? What's your viewpoint on, on that? You think that yeah. players need to focus a little bit more and just too much with the officiating? I do. I mean, I think there are certain players that, you know, obviously the, the talented ones can, you know, complain to an official or whatever it may be and get back to the task at hand. Um, but overall, I do think there's just way too much complaining. You know, if, like I said earlier, the players have such a focus on executing a game plan, executing a pick and roll coverage or whatever it may be, like their focus should be on the game, um, leaving the officials alone. I know I've heard a lot of people and viewers talk about they don't even like watching NBA games because all they do is flop and complain, <laughs> you know? So, um, and I get that aspect of it. So I agree that there's completely way too much complaining from everybody, you know? And I think that's the part that is hard to distinguish um, between players. Because I know the NBA has implemented a respect for the game factor, but, and, and us as viewers need to separate that the NBA is, is just different from NCAA and NFHS and your youth local games. It's different. And I think viewers have a tough time differentiating <laughs> and what happens. And then it, a lot of the behavior then trickles down on, as you know, to the lower levels, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, they could probably do a little bit better a job of um, just having that respect for the game. Um, and it'll allow them to focus more on, on their talents, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, even going back to it, one thing that um, I've, you know, talked to officials about was, you know, when you're officiating a game, you know, having a feel for the game, being able to communicate to players and coaches in real time without getting emotional, you know, because um, I always had an issue with the officials that, you know, their first instinct were to call a technical foul on a player. It's just like you can do so much more in the beginning part of the game, communicating to the player before it gets out of hand where you feel like you have to call a technical foul. And so those are the things to me that kind of separate, you know, mediocre, <laughs> some of the best officials, just the ones that were able to communicate um, clearly to players and, and coaches. Are there any examples you can remember maybe this year, past year, where you were hot at a play, you were, you know, you were riled up speaking to the official, and then the official was able to de-escalate you in like a matter of seconds? Anything that stood out that they said to you that was that effective? Oh, man, so many examples. Um, yeah, I would say one of our, our earlier games, you know, um, there was a situation where a play happened in front of our bench. It was transitioning down. I was hot. I thought it was a foul. They go down the other end. And so I'm sitting there, you know, yelling, trying to get their attention because I thought they missed a call that led straight to a basket. Um, and on the way back, the official was like, hey, coach, there's too much going on. I don't speak English very well. I'm still trying to process the plays that are happening. Bear with me. Boom. And in that moment, I was like, cool. Uh, I appreciate you being honest and being vulnerable enough to like let me in on that. <laughs> I know some people would take it the other way, but I was just like, okay, I'll lay off you. Like, understood. Yeah, that, that's a great, because what he did was he humanized the conversation. 
So it, it, it went from being about basketball to being about a human, which then redirected you back to your role. Absolutely. And it was just like something so simple and subtle. And it was just like, as frustrated as I was in the moment leading up to that, like when, once they said that, it was like, okay, I got it now. You know, now I know how to communicate to you, you know, maybe on a stoppage or maybe during a timeout more so than when the play is going up and down. But it's those conversations where I think could happen beforehand, you know, it, that would help that transition a little bit better. We have a session that we do called Rapid Responses, and it's a way to basically arm the group with tools and resources to be able to respond in real time to a coach, to de-escalate the conversation, and to almost um, produce a, a human and empathetic response out of the coach, in which the example you just gave kind of did that. And I think that's a successful way to communicate for us as officials, because back to getting you know us back onto our role in the game. So. Uh, I'm glad we're, we're able to connect on this point. I want to I want to ask you about culture because now you're starting a, a, a new gig and a, a new leadership position. So, what are you doing um, at the start of, of of this tenure to establish that culture? Just talk to me about how you build culture. Yeah. So um, last season, you know, I thought we had a pretty good team. Um, I thought we had a pretty good culture. You know, obviously it starts with the players and the people that you're surrounding your program with. I thought we had a lot of high character young men and women, um, which helped. Um, three things that we talked about with our culture last year, we had three rules that um, everybody was going to abide by. There are our culture commandments. <laughs> um, the first one was gratitude. You're, you're going to come in every day with a level of gratitude. You're going to understand where you are. You're going to be where your feet are. Um, and you're just going to come in with the appreciation of life and where we are in the moment. Um, and, and the second one was professionalism. Um, just understanding, especially at this level, so many people have families, so many people have lives outside of basketball. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there on time. Don't waste anybody's time. Be professional enough. Um, and it's, you know, same thing, whether you're in hotels, whether you're traveling, just be respectful of the people around you in the airports, things of that nature. Um, and the third one was honest communication, which was probably gratitude and honest communication were the ones that, you know, probably stuck out the most just because it was two things that continued to come up positively throughout the course of the season. So the way that we broke down honest communication was um, having the maturity to, to listen, but having the courage to speak up. And those were the two things that we talked about with honest communication. And it's a two-way street. You know, it wasn't just coaches to players. It was if I made a mistake in a game or if a player felt like I said something that was, you know, not understood, they could come at me and speak on it. And I would have the maturity to listen while they had the courage to speak up. And so those were the things that kind of, you know, built our, our culture. And those are the things that we're going to continue to build our culture on. I so connect to that last one, the honest communication. In fact, uh, I'm putting out a post or I'm working on a piece of content. I'm a physical education teacher in New York City. So I'm working on a, a large poster that has about 40 uh, amazing life traits that um, lead to happiness, success and high character individuals. And one of the traits on there um, is called kind candor. And I think it speaks to honest communication, very similar, right? And I think um, candor, the ability to be truthful, right? Keep it real, 
so to speak. But the problem with the person who's kept it real historically is they don't do it in a kind, professional, leadership-type way. Right. It's just brash, a lash out, and it's the truth, but delivered, you know, in a maybe an un unpopular way. So I think the real leaders um, have the ability to insert kindness and appreciation and having the overall gratitude, as you mentioned, um, to have those difficult conversations, but not make them difficult. Yeah. I mean, I would even use an example of, you know, there was a situation in a game this year where we were playing like, you know, complete crap. <laughs> we were playing terribly, you know, and it was just embarrassing basketball. So I call a timeout and, you know, I'm talking to the, to the players. I'm like, get off the court, like new five, you're going in. Like that was, that was embarrassing. That's not how we play. And like, I didn't think anything of it. And so I'm walking to the, to the huddle, got my board, got my play drawn. And one of the players says, Hey coach, I don't like you disrespecting me like that. And in that moment, it was like, I could have gone one or two ways with it. Right. But it, in, in my mind, it clicked like honest communication. Like he's got the courage to speak up and say, Hey, don't disrespect me. And in that moment, I had the maturity to say, you know what? You're right. I apologize if I offended you. Wasn't my wasn't my intention. Boom, done, killed, went up, drew the play, went on an eight and zero run coming out of the town. But it's just like those moments when you talk about your your values or your your culture, like you have to walk the walk. And having the humility too to not react, as you mentioned, just that maturity right in that moment or initial response sometimes is to to lash out or react to whatever energy is being sent to us. Um, so that was a great way you mapped out that honest communication. I think we're hitting on something here that could be beneficial for uh, all of our listeners. So thank you for adding to that. Um, so we've spoken about your career as a player um, through the ranks, college coaching. How was the run this year? I, I noticed you, you, you guys made it to the finals. You got the call up. That must have been an exciting time for you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where, you know, when you walk into the Auerbach Center, um, which is the Boston Celtics practice facility, I mean, you automatically see the tradition, you see the banners, all those things. So from day one, we talked about banner 18, you know, how can we hang the 18th championship banner here in Boston? And so that's like the standard, <laughs> you know, and so when you walk into that atmosphere, when you walk into you know, that practice facility, you feel that, you know. So um, the thing that I will say is that, you know, obviously beginning of the year, we didn't get off to a, to a hot start. Um, and so it was great to see the team persevere through some rockiness in the beginning of the season. Um, but just like being around, being there for the playoffs was special just because, you know, you, the playoffs I always say, you have to have some longevity. You have to have some some physicality. You have to have some luck going into it. You know, first series, you're going against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two, two of the best players in the league. Um, second round, you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, MVP, beating you up the whole series. Um, and then you go to the, the Eastern Conference Finals, and you've got a great Miami Heat team who moves the ball, tons of shot makers, Jimmy Butler, like you've got all those guys who are just really good players and you win the Eastern conference finals and your reward of making it to the finals is now playing golden state and Steph Curry. <laughs> and so it's just like, 
being able to be around for the playoffs, just experiencing how each round um, brings its own challenges. You know, I thought it was something special to see different players, um, you know, take more of a leadership role throughout the playoffs. And, you know, we always say it's going to be the others that are going to win you a playoff game or a series. And, you know, Grant Williams certainly did that. Peyton Pritchard won us some games. So it was good to see that part of, of things come together. What would your decision be if you were offered the head coaching Celtics job or the GM job? What do you think you'd choose? Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm only three weeks into this uh, front office GM life. Um, so I would like to think I would still want to be on the coaching side. But, you know, ask me again in three months and my, my answer might change. Yeah, absolutely. What we what we feel today, uh, you know, our journeys, we're on our journey, right? So we we notice and, and find out new things about ourselves and, and where we want to take our lives and career. So um, yeah, what are one some... thing that, um, you know, it's funny because when I was a division three assistant coach, people would say, you know, what do you want to do in three to five years? My goal then was to be a division three head coach. And then I got to the G League and I was like, what do you want to do in three? I was like, I want to be a G League head coach and I did that and then I got to the NBA and I was like I want to be an NBA head coach so NBA head coach NBA GM are two things that obviously will highly interest me so in seven years you can hit me up you'll be coaching the Brooklyn Nets at that time and uh, I can help you out with uh your, you know help with the officiating side of the game we could bring in uh, Crown Ruffs to help with that <laughs> here we go handshake deal right there Nice. Who are some of your favorite refs to work with? Um, and what are some of the qualities that they show you that you like? Um, so uh, there was an official that you brought up um, the other day who actually had back when I was in college um, was Roger Ayers. Um, he was an official that would do some, some ODAC, some Old Dominion Athletic Conference games. Um, and he was just a guy that, you know, was – humble, um, was easy to get along with. Um, he was just one of my favorite officials just because of that. You know, he would come down from ACC games to do Division three games, whatever it may be. And like, there was no ego associated with it. Like, the game wasn't about him. He was there to do a job, you know, officiate the game, do it at a high level, and move on. And, and that's one thing that I always appreciated about him was he would come from doing the, the bigger conference division one games to little old Emory, Virginia and do division three games and was phenomenal. Um, Brandon Adair is another guy that I, I played against um, in college. He's now an NBA official, but he's just worked his way up. But he's another guy that was a division three, all American division three player of the year. Um, but he's just humble, you know, like the game's not about him. He's got a great feel for the game. He understands players, understands plays, understand angles, um, things of that nature. And so those two would be, you know, top of my list. You know, there's, again, a lot of really good officials out there, but those are the two that kind of stick out to me. Yeah, being a high-level player definitely has to help you at the higher levels. I mean, I mean, there's tons of great basketball players out there and not all of them are going to convert into becoming an official. But if you have that desire and drive and, and love for the game, it, it makes a great combination of a, of a ref. Absolutely. 
So what did we miss on? I would love to hear from our group tonight. I would love uh, you guys to ask the coach uh, any questions that you have on your mind. Um, Portia, you have anything for coach? Thanks for joining us tonight. What's going on, Polly D? Hey, coach, thanks for coming and joining us tonight out of your busy schedule. Um, I did have a, a question we talked about, you know, some refs that you appreciate and, and admire their you know, their humbleness and their appreciation for the game and just coming and doing a good job. Has there ever been a night where you've been, you've come out to coach and you see that one ref and you're like, oh man, there's that one ref. Like we got, we got, a, we, we've had a bad history and then you've had to separate kind of that, that those past interactions. Cause I know Paul has told us we have to learn how to separate you know, past interactions that were negative with coaches and not bring that into the current game. Like we should be repping in that current moment. So has, has, has that ever come into play with how you've approached those referees that you've had multiple times and you've had bad history with? Yeah, no, Porch, that's a, a, a great question. I mean, and the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, especially for us, you know, the, you know, the officiating crew comes out at 9 a.m. So our coaches are meeting at 9. So every coach's meeting, we look up the officiating crew and see who do we have tonight, <laughs> you know, and um, mentally prepare myself if it's an official that I don't necessarily get along with um, or warn our team that, hey, so-and-so has a quick whistle. Like, you have to watch what you say tonight. Um, being able to prep our team that way. Um, you know, there's an official that comes to mind as soon as you ask that question. Um, where this official and I had, you know, prior history of not communicating well to each other. Um, and I thought it was personal. And, and I actually brought that to the game um, during the timeout. And I said, you know, I feel like you don't like me as a person. And I feel like you're letting it affect your officiating of my team tonight. Um, and so there's definitely some situations like that. But, you know, I try to go into every game clear mind, like it's a new game. Um, and giving them the, the benefit of the doubt that they're just going to come in and do their job and do it at a high level. Great question, Portia. Uh, Coach, Portia's from Virginia, by the way. I knew I liked Portia for a reason. There you go. Absolutely. I was going to touch on it, but I was like, I'm not even, you know, Virginians. We can, we can what blow What part of Virginia? Uh, Roanoke. Oh, okay. 81. Yeah. Absolutely. Right off of it. Perfect. Go visit the start tonight. You, you can miss it if you blink. <laughs> Thanks, Borsman. Thank you, Coach. You know, that's a really hard thing for officials to do. Like, if you've had a lot of negative past history about a coach, I got asked that question yesterday. You know, um, a ref uh, had a long history with the coach and it's just always negative. And, I, and I'm like, unfortunately, we have to be the bigger person and you have to approach this game with a clean slate. And that's only going to make your job easier if you do so. If you're if you're coming into the game with baggage, it's only going to slow you down. Yeah. I mean, and that person I'm speaking of was the same person I referenced earlier about refing us in Vegas, where it was the first media timeout. They're like, that's enough of you, coach. I'm not talking to you for the rest of the game. And it was, you know, four or five minutes into the game, and they're telling me that they're not going to talk to me for the rest of the game. It's just like, yeah. How tell me more. Communicate. Talk to me more, more about that. What are some things that he said to you where you you took it personal by saying you think you're making 
I think you took it personal by assuming that he's making it personal in a sense, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> because, you know, this was in December where this first interaction happened where this referee was like, you know, it's enough out of you, you're done. And it was literally four minutes into the game and it was the crew, crew chief. I was just like, if I can't talk to the crew chief for the rest of the game, like, how is there supposed to be any type of communication going on at all? And so to me, that was just like, a red flag, you know? Um, and so later in the season is when we had this official again. Um, and it was just, like you said, I took it personal. I was like, I feel like you're making it personal. It doesn't have to be personal. Just do your job. Um, and in that moment, I was fishing for a technical. <laughs> it was in a timeout. And I was just like, we're getting hosed. Our team is not playing well. We need to do something to like change the tide. We need some fight, some gumption. I called a timeout. I didn't, you know, do it in the floor of the game and go at the official or anything. I called a timeout, had a very serious, stern conversation. And with a straight face, this official says, I don't have a problem with you. I think you're a very nice young man. And then in that moment, I was like, ah, I'm not getting a text. She's too nice right now. And it's like, so she de-escalated the situation, which is, I was expecting the complete opposite. I was expecting it to be combative because that's kind of how that official had been prior. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the official and the circumstance that come to mind. Good conversation. And, uh, you know, I'm glad the official is obviously nameless and we never um, are negative about officials. We're trying to build the community up. But that's one thing that we don't want to have in our tool belt is just telling somebody to stop talking or go sit down or we're not talking again. Now, you can hit on that point, but you have to soften the blow with the way you communicate. So, Coach, Coach, if you're going to talk to me that way, we're not going to be able to have any more conversations the rest of the night. Right. Would you say that sounds much better than we're just not going to talk the rest of the night? Absolutely. And like I said, that situation was a, a chance where four of our eight players I'd never even met before the game. So, like, I was trying to be more vocal and talk to our team and help them more. So, like, I understand I was probably being a lot, you know, over the top in some ways, but it was more so for motivation, trying to get my team rallied, trying to get the morale of everybody up. And so um, for her to like kind of knock me down a little bit, it was just like taking the wind out of my sails here. Mm -hmm. It usually, frustration usually arises from something else. It's yeah. Never, you know, personal uh, in that moment, it's usually premeditated, it has something to do with any. Were you, you know, having a rough game or losing or having a rough stretch or in your case, just meeting some players. So maybe some anxiety in there. Yeah. You know, one thing I will say that like kind of changed my perspective, which is probably, you know, illegal or not supposed to happen at all is I was at a restaurant um, before and there were the official, there was an official there that had like called a game before us and they were meeting with, you know, two or three other officials. And so, I just went over and started talking to him, <laughs> you know, and it was just like us talking as like human beings, as people, not as coach and official, but just talking. And like in that moment, you know, they, they broke down some things to me that was like really eye opening that I thought helped me to communicate with officials, you know, throughout the course of the season after that. But it was like, you know, you have to understand like you're as a coach, you're representing your team, you're doing everything you can for your team. And this official was like, you know, we're a team out here. We're looking out for each other. We're not throwing each other under the bus. Like 
if my partner misses a call, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm going to own it. Like that's what my partner saw. I respect it and I support it. So just, you know, having that team mentality with the officiating crew, like spoke volumes to me in that moment. Here's my question. How would you say your relationship went on from there with these three officials that you saw outside of basketball, like your future games with them? Was there any improved respect factor or were you just, you know, yelling at them the next game, I guess is what I'm asking. No, it was very much improved. You know, it was more of an understanding on my end of what they were actually going through. Because like I said, they're human beings, they're people, they're going through things on a daily basis, just like we are. So um, being able to, you know, bring that human element to it, I thought was valuable. Love it. We have a question from David from Michigan. David, say hello to coach. Hey, how's it going? I appreciate you coming on here to have good dialogue with us officials. Um, I had, I guess I had a, two questions. First of all, and I just ask them separate. Um, I have a hard time when I'm like, when I'm officiating a game and I don't know a coach and it's like, how do I break the ice to set a precedent for the game that we're going to have positive communication? What are some good ways that officials have done that for you? Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, you know, obviously Paul posted it recently, but the icebreakers, you know, uh, How's your family? Is your family coming tonight? You know, simple things of that nature. You know, I, I had, um, I was hugging my kid before one of the games and the official was like, Hey, how, how old is your son? And just something simple like that. Um, or, Hey coach, how long have you been here? Or, Hey coach, how's every, how's the season been going for you personally? You know, more so than just basketball or sports related, just, talk about them as normal people like you would if you pass a guy in a grocery store. Awesome. I appreciate that. And then um, the, the, the other question I had is I uh, had a great opportunity to officiate a G League practice through one of my assigners. And I had a player that just kept coming to me every time he drove the basket. Where's the foul? Where's the foul? And I'm like, I, I was at a loss as how to deal with it because I was I just didn't say anything. I, you know, ignored it. But I feel like that wasn't the best way to deal with it. How, you would probably know better than anybody else. What's the best way to deal with the guys at the higher levels or even college levels? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a fine line. It's a slippery slope because anytime you ignore a player or a coach, they're just going to keep going and get even more loud with it next time. Um, and, and so I think the one thing you can do is just hit it square on. Like, hey, I thought he was vertical. Hey, I didn't think he went A to B. Hey, I thought he you know, had his hands off or he was in a leaf garden position. Um, so just giving a quick explanation and moving on. Like it doesn't have to be a running conversation. It doesn't have to be a dialogue, you know, speak on what you saw and do it confidently. All right. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks, David. Coach, we got to bring you to the rapid response session. Number 10, because what you just delivered is on point, man. Great stuff. Gonna, watching all of your posts and reels. What can I <laughs> See, it is working. Amazing. Corey, say what's up to Coach. Corey's an active player in a Division three program in New York, Farmingdale State. I actually refed him a few years ago, so uh, one of my good buddies from New York. Corey, say what's up. Awesome. Hey, how you doing, Coach? What's up, Paul? What's up, bro? Doing well, Corey. Appreciate you coming on, um, having conversations um, with us. It was great insight. Hey, thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. 
Corey, you're, Corey's an aspiring, you know, once he's done um, playing, you know, he's probably going to focus on trying to get to the G League, NBA. Any advice you have uh, for Corey as he comes up through the ranks? Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to master your craft. You know? I mean, you know you're going to put in the time, the energy, and the effort into it. Um, but just learning from the ones that came before you. you know, I think one thing that's helped me is I've been around some really good people, some really good leaders and coaches. Um, but I think the one thing that I thought all of them had, that they were really good teachers. And so being able to communicate effectively um, in real time, being able to communicate your feelings in real time with some vulnerability, I think is always huge. Um, but from the player's standpoint, same thing, you know, just you're working with players, putting in the time, putting in the energy and the effort into your game um, and, and not being afraid to take a leap of faith. I think that's one of the biggest things that has helped me in my young career. Appreciate that, Coach. Yes, sir. Sharice Frazier, how are you? From Oklahoma, what's going on? You got a question for Coach? Say hello. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Hey, Coach, how are you? Just um, fine. Just tuning in, trying to get some good feedback. Um, yeah, we may have to have him on the rapid response just because those effective, like quick responses. And I think he had a good point where sometimes as officials, I find myself trying to say something effective, but quick so I can get back to the game. And sometimes I forget to say those things when players are talking to me because my mind is what's the next play? Not that I'm always ignoring them, but I'm trying to get ready for the next play. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a great point. Like, I just felt like there doesn't always have to be, like, a running dialogue or a conversation about a play, you know, like, hit it with, you know, what you saw, um, do it confidently, and and be able to move on. And I don't know if Paul E.D. has anything else to say on that regard, but that's that's kind of how I, how I see it. Now, I was just thinking of uh, when Sharice was mentioned bringing you on rapid responses, and then I thought about – all this education we're trying to give coaches could wind up backfiring on us one day because you guys are going to become so educated. You got all the terminology down. A hundred percent. That is why I do it. I, I'm looking at these officials. Like you called that. You didn't have a stack view right there. You saw it through all those bodies. <laughs> That's good. And they look at me like, and I'm, yeah. Listen, exactly. man. Just to give you some advice, that would that's a great way to play it. The more rule based terminology you can use, the more they're going to respect you. Right. But I think that's important where we can start having those conversations about more details about stuff like that. No, yeah, coach, I didn't see it. I was stacked. I wasn't in position C. I didn't position adjust when he went from, you know, from being a post player to a score. Like, you know what I'm saying? Those are kind of, we have a better understanding when we use that type of terminology. We can have those conversations without the confrontation. So, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. You know, one thing that an official told me a couple years ago was, um, you know, say that Coaches always, we always talk about the foul count, you know, like six to one, foul count six to one, but don't necessarily say it as a coach, like, hey, the foul count six to one. You can say it or phrase it as, hey, I know we're fouling them on that end, but they're also fouling us on this end. Can you make sure you look after A, B, and C? Um, so it doesn't have to be, hey, foul, you know, you always get those teams six to one, six to one, just. Hey, I know we're fouling them on that end, but they're also there's some contact that's not legal on our end as well. Can you look out for it? Yeah. So in our rapid response session, that's we, you know, we basically lay down all of the 10 to 20 of the most common things that coaches say to us. 
and foul count is one of them, right? Fouls are six to one. And I'm, we're trying to teach the group that it's unsportsmanlike to question the foul count because basically you're questioning our integrity, saying yeah. we're cheating in so many ways. So for you as a coach to be able to know that, be self-aware of that, and then just find a different way of, of communicating but still hitting on those points, I think is mature of you. So yeah, like I said, I listen to a lot of officials and, and I got probably two or three of them that um, I, I talk to regularly or if there's a play that happens in a game, like I take a screenshot of the play, send it to them, like, hey, how can you help me, you know, help player A, B, and C not to continue to do these things? Or is this the right call? <laughs> you know, so it helps me both ways. Thanks for sharing that. Great stuff tonight, guys. Um, Sally, how you doing? Why don't you unmute, say hello, and uh, if you have a question for Coach. Maybe she's doing cardio right now. Coach, I have a question. Hop in there. Coach, uh, I hate to go back to the official that uh, you have so much confrontation with, but if anything, is there anything in the future that official could do to kind of – uh, bridge the gap with the friction between you two, mm. if anything. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good question. Um, you know, because obviously from the coaching side, you go into that game and it's just like you're already on edge <laughs> about yeah. the official on the, on the call. Um, but I think just I always go back, like, doing your job, you know, and I, just because that official knows that I'm mad or frustrated with them doesn't mean that they should call the game any differently. You know, just do it at a high level as you see fit. Um, you know, call the game as it is. Um, I don't think there's necessarily anything they can do or they should actually even try to do because that could sway them in their calling the other way. So I would say not necessarily from a, a game calling standpoint, but just more of a human, you know, talk before the game how's everything going how's your day been simple things of that nature gotcha cj what's going on you got anything for coach Terrell, what's good man oh my goodness what a, a sight for summarized good to see you brother likewise i mean i feel like we're in college you were officiating and here you are in Roanoke one time, I think we just, I just started wrestling. You would, uh, I think you were still doing D3 stuff. Absolutely. Now look at us. Worlds colliding, CJ. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're so, uh, I'm, I'm interested. In, do you think you ever have, uh, any influence on the, on the officials with your interactions? Yes. I think so. Um, I mean, there are certainly some officials where you can get on a little bit more and ride, and you know they're going to be influenced by your approach to them, which is kind of what I was saying to Carrie earlier. It's like, it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> you know, you should be unbiased and just calling the game as is. Yeah, definitely. So I think sometimes I will, uh, the more I ignore coaches, the more they, they get on you. Um, so that, that's kind of my, when I ignore coaches, that's kind of my way of saying, Hey, whatever happens between us has nothing to do with what I'm doing with this whistle. Right. But sometimes I think coaches take that the wrong way. Like, oh, I can't talk to them. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say on the flip side of that, CJ, like if I'm coaching one team and I haven't said anything to the officials and the opposing coaches on them every play, and it seems like they're getting more calls, then there lies some frustration in that. So um, to your point, I think there's definitely times where coaches can influence officials um, which to my point earlier, I just don't feel like the good ones or the really high level officials that I've been around, I don't think they're influenced one way or the one way or another. They just do their job as is. So you're definitely watching what goes on between the referees and the other coach too, right? Absolutely. How they interact, you know, whether they're stomping, cursing, whatever it may be. Um, I, I'm watching all of it. Awesome. Hey, one more question. Who's uh, which one of your sons is going to be the first one to beat you one on one? Um, probably my youngest son. My, my oldest one has to get out of that crybaby face every time he doesn't make a shot. So, hopefully, my youngest. Awesome. Hey, well, it's great to see you, man. Thanks for coming on here. You too. Thanks, CJ. Surprise, surprise. Glad you guys made that connection. Man, I've known CJ for years, probably 15 years now at this point. So, going to bring on another special guest, your coach from high school. Coach? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is great stuff. Does anybody else have anything that they want to ask Coach uh, for tonight? I think we're hitting on some some really great threads and some great points. I'm I'm looking forward to to listening back. Uh, Alan, do you have anything for Coach before we go? No, this has been a great session. I mean, you know, the reoccurring thing for me is, is uh, making, I guess this is a life lesson too, right? Like people want to be heard, right? Coaches want to be heard and not ignoring them and, and simple phrases like, Hey, I hear you coach, or Hey, I'll get back to you on that. Um, is, is one of the main takeaways that I have for, from uh, tonight's session. Uh, in addition to, you know, not being afraid to own, own up to calls that you might've missed or, or kicked. So um Appreciate your time. Congratulations on the uh, success with the uh, with the Celtics. Thanks, Alan. I mean, and to your point, I would say, you know, when I felt in those games where I was being ignored, I didn't stop talking. I just started talking louder. <laughs> and then it turns into like screaming across the court. And then that's when you really get into a situation. Coach, we're very approachable if you have a question, but we're just not going to allow you to scream across the court from us. Is that fair? That's fair. Fair. You got and any questions? will be like, well, answer me when you run when you run by me then, and I won't have to yell at you. <laughs> That's yeah, what... unfor- unfortunately, Coach, this conversation is going to take more than that one second that I'm running by, or in my case, 0.2 seconds. Perfect. I'll grab you at the next time out. Perfect. And that's always the best time to approach a coach. So if we're having, so let's say, let's play this out. You shouted at me a couple of times from across the court. I don't have the opportunity to come approach you. One thing we say in the pregame is the, the table side official has to be the one to then communicate with you if possible, if they're in your vicinity. But then let's say that doesn't, that doesn't play out. So the next time out, when you're done coaching your team and the timeout is over, and you've kind of exhaled and taken a deep breath. You've just given energy coaching and speaking to them. You're, you're in a really good place to then listen is what I've found out. So that's when we approach a coach. Hey, coach, we're very approachable if you have a question, but you're shouting at me from across the court. I can't give you an answer there. Did you have a specific play that you wanted to talk about? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought our guy was being held, you know, which caused a turnover. And if they're just going to be physical and keep their hands on us all night, it's going to be a long one for us. We don't have a chance. So just can you please watch out for the hand check and the physicality when we're driving? Which, yeah, absolutely. Which defender was holding? All of them. They all do it. All right, coach, if we're going to have a conversation, we have to speak in realistic terms. Can't be all of them. <laughs> yeah, they lead the league in steals for a reason. No, that that's, yeah, that's a no, great dialogue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but I would say that that's what we always talk about. The best teams and the best defenders are the ones that are most physical. So can you just please watch the, the physicality tonight? Would be something I would say in the pregame. I know I've asked you a bunch of questions tonight. Is there any questions you have for me? No, none at all. You, you cover a lot. And, and again, I appreciate it. And lastly, is there anything that you want to say to the uh, audience of dedicated officials that are listening in now? Yeah, I mean, my biggest message to them would just be, you know, obviously, you know, players, coaches, officials, we all have a job to do. Um, We're just having a respect for the game and obviously having a respect for one another as human beings. We're all hopefully going home to our loved ones at the end of the day. So just speak to everyone with, with respect. Um, come in ready to do your job at a high level and whatever it is that may be going on in your life, personal, professional, try not to bring that to the game. Come into the game with a clear mind and and let's have a good one. And that would be my message to any official coming into it. Well, Coach, we appreciate it. Uh, You know, time is the number one currency, so we uh, are very grateful for your time tonight. Thanks for joining us. Cool. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're interested in joining our private community for officials and want to hear more details, we can set up a call. You can email me at crownrefs at gmail.com or you can text me 845-742-0834. Have a blessed day.